Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Odds and End Zones, a podcast feature of milehighreport.com. From props to parlays to totals and spreads, it's time to sweat it out. Here are your hosts, Ian St. Clair and Adam Malnati. Adam, we got some news from the Pro Football Hall of Fame on Wednesday where they announced the 60 seniors, coaches, and contributors who have been named semifinalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2024. And from a Denver Broncos perspective, standpoint, it's Randy Gratishar from the seniors, Dan Reeves and Mike Shanahan from the coaches. And those of uh, those who have listened to this podcast for any number of episodes or years know how we feel about Randy Gratishar, know how we feel about Dan Reeves, know how we feel about Mike Shanahan. All three of them should already be in the Hall of Fame. The fact that they aren't, it, it is disgraceful. But Dan Reeves probably won't get in, but they do, they might, because the selection committee tends to finally get people in once they die. But Randy Gratishar and Mike Shanahan should absolutely get the nod this year, and they probably won't. Yeah, we're in a, a bit of a loop. I, I think it's fair to say when it comes to uh, especially Gratishar, um, which is to say that he's he's more than deserving. He was uh, clearly one of the best at his position during his playing days, uh, one of the most feared linebackers in the NFL, uh, one of the most highly touted linebackers coming out of the Ohio State University, which you won't hear me say very often because I don't like that place. 
Um, and and it is it is frustrating as as a fan, and obviously as someone who uh, has grown up on the history of this franchise, because Gratishar is a little bit before my time, at least in in as much as his uh, his prime years. Same for you, right? Um, but it doesn't mean that we don't recognize his importance to the franchise. I mean, if you're, if you're going to call Floyd little, a franchise, uh, you could probably have a very similar way of looking at Randy Gratishar in regards to the defense. And I'm not taking anything away from Floyd little. I'm putting Randy Gratishar in that same realm of importance to the Denver Broncos. Uh, when you, when you start to talk about the, the team's history and, and where it belongs and those kinds of things. So, like you said, spin the wheel uh, of of all of our episodes. You're probably going to land on one where we've talked about this more than likely because this, this is a topic that comes up a lot for us, and, and hopefully people don't get too bored of it because it is something that we find to be uh, egregious on the NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame's part and also uh, something that we think is important, and there are people out there who agree with us. You, you also are going to find us speaking about Dan Reeves. Dan Reeves, in my opinion, belongs in the same conversation as Marv Levy, uh, you want to talk about uh, Bill Cowher is in the Hall of Fame. I don't think Bill Cowher's numbers are, are better than Dan Reeves, except for he got one Super Bowl. Uh, Dick Vermeil is in the Hall of Fame. Is Dick Vermeil a better head coach than Dan Reeves? I don't think so. His numbers don't say that. Uh, it What it really boils down to with Dan Reeves, I think, is the fact that uh, he never won the big one, right? He went with John Elway as his quarterback, so he gets a knock because, well, he had John Elway, even though the knock on – uh, Elway was, he didn't win one until he had Terrell Davis. It's like, it's almost like you, you have to just show up by yourself and just win. And nobody else can be on the field with you because if there's anybody else there, then it doesn't count, but only for some people. And I don't know who those people are. And so Reeves actually has a career in the NFL as a, as a NFL lifer from playing to coaching and beyond that deserves recognition by the hall of fame. And he won't get it. And it's, it's mind-boggling to me because his accomplishments and his numbers and the things that he did, I, I, I just don't see how you keep someone like that out of the Hall of Fame. And not, that's not just what he did in Denver. He had a, an okay run with the New York Giants. I think he went to the playoffs once. Uh, so not great, but okay. He took the Atlanta Falcons to the Super Bowl. Their first Super Bowl. Their very first Super Bowl was at, with Dan Reeves as the head coach. And yes, they lost to the Denver Broncos. Those kinds of connections, those kinds of of things that you see happen, they don't happen by accident, right? NFL head coaches are and and I I'm one of those people. I don't like to mention other people's Hall of Fame careers and knock them down to try and make someone else seem better. So when I talk about Bill Cowher and Dick Vermeil and some of these other guys that are in the Hall of Fame that maybe don't have the same numbers. I'm not saying they don't deserve to be there, but if they deserve to be there, so does Dan Reeves. Look at what he did. Look at the things that he was able to accomplish, the number of wins, the number of playoff wins, the number of playoff appearances, the Super Bowl appearances. I mean, what more does the man have to do? It really is sort of mind-blowing to me. I do believe, just to kind of step back from that, because we both are, you know, you can, you can go for days and days and I can go for days and days and rant about both Randy Gratishar and Dan Reeves. I do believe that, that Mike Shanahan gets in eventually. I don't know if it's this time, his time with the then Redskins now Washington commanders in DC is 
a time that I think a lot of people look at and go, well, he wasn't able to duplicate what he did for Denver in Washington, D.C. Yeah, okay. So maybe you knock him down a touch. But that doesn't mean that he didn't have success with Washington. They, they uh, I believe they went to the playoffs. He... Uh, he's the one who discovered with Robert Kirk Griffin the third with Robert Griffin the third as a rookie. He's the one who discovered Kirk Cousins. He wanted Kirk Cousins, not RG three, and Kirk Cousins is having a mildly successful NFL career, thanks to Mike Shanahan finding him. Mike Shanahan implemented an offense that was copied by most of the league, and he's from the Bill Walsh uh, coaching tree, which so he's obviously taking from that West Coast offensive scheme. Yeah, he's going to get in. Is he hurt by his Washington days? Maybe a little bit. But his coaching tree is also filled with success. Gary Kubiak went on to be a very successful head coach, won a Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, very successful head coach, has been to a couple of Super Bowls uh, You know, as an assistant and as a head coach. Maybe needs to win one uh, to sort of solidify that. But I'm not sure what we're waiting for with Mike Shanahan other than, I, I don't know, the right weather conditions. Well, I don't know what you're waiting for with that. So when we talk about the hall of fame and we talk about these three Denver Broncos in particular, and we have other Broncos that we believe also deserve to be in there. Louis Wright, for example, is one that I kind of always fall back on. These three guys deserve to get in there, but then you have another problem here. And we've talked about this on the show and we talked about it with uh, Andrew Mason, friend of the show uh, a few years ago. Now there's a glut. There is a clog when it comes to the history of this game and the NFL putting guys into the Hall of Fame. Wide receivers don't get enough recognition. Safeties don't get enough recognition. That was the the, the issue with Steve Atwater not getting in for so long and, and sort of running up against it. There are, and now Dennis Smith. And, and now Dennis Smith, who definitely deserves a, a, a second look or a third look or a 1,200th look or whatever you want to call it. There is something to be said about the limitations that the Hall of Fame has on itself. It's a museum, and it should honor the history of the league, and it should honor the history of its players. And I'm not saying that it should just open the doors altogether and make it the Hall of Very Good. That's not what I'm saying. But when you have guys that are consensus Hall of Famers from historians and players and coaches who have been a part of the NFL for most of the existence of the NFL, especially in its current state. And then you have the place where those people are supposed to be enshrined, creating rules that make it almost impossible. You know, you're not going to get those guys in the hall of fame. And I would also argue Gratishar Reeves, Shani all deserve to be in. You're not going to see three Broncos go into the hall of fame at the same time. It won't happen. So who do you sacrifice, right? Which one or two guys doesn't make it? If you put Shanny in, you're not putting Reeves in, and you're not putting Gratishar in. You put Gratishar in, you're not putting Reeves in. Maybe you put Shanny in. So uh, Shanny goes in, which he deserves to go in. Mike Shanahan's is a very deserving coach. You're you, at most you get one of the other two on this go around, and eventually, eventually time just runs out. Eventually it runs out, and the the the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame has to do something to sort of alleviate this sort of plug that has created an atmosphere where it is so difficult for some of these older players and coaches and contributors to get in because you have so many good guys coming in from eras that were like the era when we grew up and, and after we grew up that are now starting to get in, right? 
it's a it's a conundrum for the Pro Football Hall of Fame and one that I don't think gets solved very easily unless you start admitting more players, more people. With Randy Gratishar, there is a fact that is completely egregious with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. There is not a single member of the Orange Crush defense in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And you're going to convince me that there's multiple Hall of Famers from the Purple People Eaters? That franchise has won jack shit as an NFL football team. And there are multiple Hall of Famers from that defense that didn't win shit. And Randy Gratishar and Louie Wright and Tom Jackson and Billy Thompson aren't going to be ever considered for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. There was a story in the Denver Gazette that basically said Randy Gratishar is in an uphill battle and will remain in an uphill battle to ever get into the Hall of Fame. And this goes back to Dr. Z having some sort of grudge against Randy Gratishar, Jim Sakamano, and the Broncos for how he felt they fudged the statistics with his tackling numbers. And there are still members of the selection committee who will not get over that. Despite the fact that it's been debunked multiple times, multiple times by Joe Collier and Jim Sakamano. So that's, that, that's first. Second, you mentioned Steve Levy. Marv Steve Levy. Levy is Marv, Levy. Marv Levy. Oh, yeah, yeah, Marv Levy. Sorry. Steve Levy is the I ESPN got... guy who we like. We like Steve Levy. Good NHL, NHL guy. He's better as an NHL announcer than football. That's why I said good NHL guy. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> With Marv Levy, he's deemed this great coach, took the Jim Kelly-led Buffalo Bills. No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, except in Super Bowls. Went to four Super Bowls. With Jim Kelly, with Thurman Thomas, with Andre Reid, with Bruce Smith. That's four Hall of Famers right there. Dan Reeves goes to three Super Bowls in four years with John Elway. There aren't three other Hall of Famers on the team. Now, I would, obviously, Carl Mecklenburg is a Hall of Famer. Dennis Smith, Hall of Famer. Steve Atwater. At the end of that. On offense, not a single player would even be considered an NFL caliber player, let alone a Hall of Famer. But somehow, Marv Levy gets credit for those Bills teams going to four Super Bowls in four years with all of that talent. But Dan Reeves takes a team led by John Elway, which had no freaking reason to go to any of those Super Bowls, but did so because of John Elway. You're going to say that Dan Reeves doesn't get credit for that. Uh, okay. And then Mike Shanahan. You mentioned... Bill Cower, you mentioned the crying Dick Vermeil. By the way, what is it with people associated with Philly and they cry all the time? It's weird. There's right? Dick Vermeil and now Joel Embiid. Like the dude cries so much he gets an MVP. Whatever. 
must be a Philly thing. But Dick Vermeil and Bill Cowher and Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson, again, Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, one of the greatest offensive lines in the history of football. Which, by the way, if you switch Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith does shit in his career. Just putting that out there. But Mike Shanahan, one of the greatest teams in NFL history, the 1998 Broncos, 14 and 2, back to back Super Bowl champions. But Bill Cowher and Dick Vermeil go in first. And you mentioned the coaching tree of Mike Shanahan. What's the one thing people say about Andy Reid all the time? His coaching tree. Mike Shanahan's current coaching tree is better than Andy Reid's. And Mike Shanahan hasn't been in the league in over five years. You mentioned Kyle Shanahan. There's Sean McVay, won a Super Bowl. Matt LaFleur, who has had success in Green Bay, but he he has a, a quarterback who, whatever. Uh, You're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers? I'm not. The, the head coach of the Jets. So Robert Sa- Sala. Sa- Robert Sala. Part of the Shanahan coaching tree. I I mean, the, can, the offense that is used in the NFL that's the most effective, okay, maybe Andy Reid with Patrick Mahomes, but in a broad sense, Mike Shanahan's impact on the game is better than Andy Reid's. Well, and because just, multiple teams use Mike Shanahan's offense. And, and just to sort of add to that, and I'm not, I don't, I don't want to stop you on your rant because it's really good, but Andy Reid and Mike Shanahan come from very similar trees. They're both off the Bill Walsh tree. Reid is just on the Holmgren side. That's, that's, I think that's really the only difference, right? And, it and is. so, you know, not to, and Mike, Mike Shanahan was first. Like, Mike Shanahan, after Bill Walsh, George Seifert becomes the 49ers head coach. Mike Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. He led Steve Young to his first Super Bowl. There's that great image when they're curb stomping the San Diego Chargers. And there's that scene of someone ripping the monkey off of Steve Young's back. That was in large part because of Mike Shanahan. So he led the 49ers to their first Super Bowl, Sands, Joe Montana, and Bill Walsh. And then comes to Denver and leads John Elway to his first two Super Bowls. But you're going to put Dick Vermeil in before Mike Shanahan. Are you effing serious? The guy, what what impact has Dick Vermeil left on the NFL that doesn't in, that doesn't involve tears? Was he really responsible for that greatest show on turf, or was that Mike Martz? Yeah, you know, I, again, I and I, it's one of those things where I go back to it and I go, okay, well, yeah, he, he was a, an NFL lifer, and, and I don't want to take away from his being. I do deserving. <laughs> I I know we got. He's we not have, deserving. We have different Dick Vermeil is not 
a Hall of Fame coach. Well, Dick Vermeil is not a Hall of Fame coach. What, Nothing about Dick Vermeil is Hall of Fame worthy. Wh- whether he all, is or well, period. right. Wh- whether he is or he isn't, and I, I think that that the the you can argue one way or the other, and I'm not too worried about that. Whether he is or he isn't, in your opinion, he's in the Hall of Fame. The yeah. issue then becomes, well, if it you're going to take anything. this guy, if you're going to take this guy, right? This this guy who went to two Super Bowls, won one, uh, was an was an NFL lifer and a great coach in a lot of people's opinion. Blah blah. blah whatever. If you're going to take this guy, how do you not take that guy? And and I, you could apply that to both Dan Reeves and Mike Shanahan. How does Dick Vermeil get in, but not Mike Shanahan or Dan Reeves, who did more and in some cases did more with less? In regards to Dan Reeves, and and I know that we're talking about a team that had John Elway, but it was that's where you stopped talking when it came to the offense. Yeah. So what what are we doing here? What what we're doing is we're we're not recognizing the full history of the NFL. And and you make mention of this a lot, and I really like that you do. You cannot tell the history of the NFL without the accomplishments of Dan Reeves and without the accomplishments of Mike Shanahan. And the, that is one of the most important requirements to getting into the hall of fame. And if you can't tell the history of the league without these two guys in it, then you are missing. And it's the same thing for Gratishar and the orange crush defense. And just like it, it's the same thing for uh, guys like Carl Mecklenburg who deserve to be in and Dennis Smith who deserves to be in and Louie Wright who deserves to be in and I'm sure that every Tom franchise, Allen, keep, Rod uh, Smith, exactly. Keep you can keep going, and I know there are other franchises that have similar complaints, but Denver is a is a franchise that has been at the top of the league for so many years. Don't let the last seven or eight years fool you, okay? Don't let the <laughs> last few seasons of abysmal play cloud your judgment of what the history of this franchise is, because the truth is. The Denver Broncos are one of the crown jewels of the NFL, but for whatever reason, and I don't know what it is, they do not get the recognition that many people believe they deserve when it comes to accolades like the Hall of Fame. It's mind-blowing, but it is exactly how things are done in the NFL. I'll throw out one more coach. I mentioned the Minnesota Vikings. Bud Grant. How is Bud Grant a Hall of Fame coach, and Dan Reeves is not. How in the hell does that pass the smell test? There's just some franchises that get special treatment. I would say that the Kansas City Chiefs, who have several players in the Pro Football Hall of Fame but never did anything, that that one bothers me more than than anything else. I, and obviously, you know, recent history notwithstanding, what what did the Kansas City Chiefs do until the last four or five years? mostly lose to the Broncos and the Raiders. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I guess. I'll, 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 let's add that. Let's add that to the Vikings, who I view before Patrick Mahomes showed up, were the Kansas City Chiefs of the NFC. Mm-hmm. What the hell have the Minnesota Vikings ever accomplished? Ever. You mentioned Dan Reeves. Well, that Falcons team went into the Metrodome and pulled one of the biggest playoff upsets in history. The Minnesota Vikings haven't been to a Super Bowl since the 70s. And they lost all three of those games. 
Oh, the Hall of Fame. If there's anything, if you ever want to get us on a on a on a rant, if you ever want to get us going, mention the Hall of Fame. Seriously, like yeah. it is the. I think it's the one thing that you could throw out as a question to both of us, and we will we'll just roll for days if 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 we could. Like we'll just keep going and going and going because it is one of the most uh, insane topics when it comes to the Denver Broncos and their history and what they should and shouldn't get and what's deserved and not deserved. We just, it, it, it's, it's probably our biggest pet peeve when it comes to talking about football and the Denver Broncos. I, that at least I, that's the take I have on it. And I'll, uh, there's, there's one modern times where it's the Chicago bears trading up to select Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. That's your boogaboo for sure. That is the thing that gets you. The Chicago Bears could have had Patrick Mahomes. We could have been saved. What the hell has been going on in Kansas City the last five years? Had Ryan Pace and the Chicago Bears simply traded up to take Patrick Mahomes. Instead, they take Mitch frickin' Trubisky. Really? Really? Yeah. (sighs) Okay. All right. Let's 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 shift gears. I like a little let's downshift. Please. Uh Let's go with a little more modern times conversation. Uh, The Broncos are nearing training camp, right? We're getting closer and closer as the days creep by. Uh, Two weeks out. Summer continues to move. And there are obviously some things out there that that have to be addressed or or that we should definitely be talking about. And, And one of those things is going to be position battles. And what we can expect as fans and what people can expect of the Denver Broncos in certain positions. And, and the one position that you brought up that I think is uh, important. And I, I like that you, you brought this one up and I wasn't even thinking about, it wasn't even on my radar, to be honest. I, I hadn't even thought about this position. You brought it up. And now I'm, I'm really like, well, we got this. This is, this is kind of an interesting spot and it's the tight end position. It is the disappearance of Alberto who found no joy. So we don't have to have announcers butcher his name ever again. Oku Egbunam, for those who don't know. Just keep, just keep, you know, missing from somewhere else, which is fine. And the emergence of uh, the, the rookie last year in in Dulcich, Dulcich, Dulcich. I don't know. I always feel like, I always feel like I pronounce it wrong, but it is Dulcich. So I'm not sure what we're messing with. And, uh, that to me is is interesting in and of itself is simply the rise and fall there that that's one of those uh conversations where you go well you got this guy this playmaker guy over here they drafted this other playmaker guy who never ended up being a playmaker my question though becomes was it a product of him not being a good tight end or was it a product of him playing for uh just a terrible coach and a terrible system when you know the Broncos completely collapsed last year, I, I I don't know. I'm 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 curious. Well, it's not just Dulcich. It's also the free agent additions this off season of Adam Troutman and Chris Manhurts, which to give those listening, Greg Dulcich is the playmaking tight end. That's what he does. He's the receiver of the bunch. Troutman is the upside pass catcher who played two years with. Sean Payton in New Orleans. So he's the he's the, the the upside guy as a pass catcher, but a really, really good blocker. And then Chris Manhurts is one of, if not the best, blocking tight ends in the NFL. 
all three different types of tight ends. Albert O doesn't do any of those three. He's not good at any of those. There's upside. There's this, well, it's like KJ Hamler in that regard. There's this constant, well, he has potential. He has upside. Is this the year? Well, eventually it's going to get to the point where no, he doesn't because he's not going to be able to make the roster. And you mentioned Nathaniel Hackett. He also played with Pat Shermer. So he was drafted along with Drew Locke, which was the whole purpose, I think, of drafting Albert O, was that connection they had in Missouri or Missouri for the locals. I But I don't see a spot on the roster for Albert O because he's not better than, than Dulcich as a playmaker. He's not better than Troutman as a complete tight end with pass catching and blocking or man hurts as a blocker. They're not going to keep four tight ends on the roster. So is he, is he cut or can they find a trade part? I think, I think that what we're really talking about here with, with this particular position battle is there's, there's three guys that seem like they're a good fit for what Sean Payton wants to do. There's one guy who I, I'm not going to take Alberto's potential away from him. I think that he came in with a lot of potential and, and has some upside, but just doesn't really fit with the Denver Broncos right now. So can they trade him and get draft capital that they so desperately need? And when does that all start? Because that, that probably is the most value he brings to the team at this point is potentially trading him for, uh, you know, a late round draft pick, right? Some sort of, uh, you know, fifth, fifth round pick, maybe a fourth round pick, who knows, maybe, maybe somebody's desperate and they throw a, a, a late third, who knows, right? But he's, he's probably more trade bait than anything else at this point. And, and I think you're looking at, you have three guys on the roster that are going to, that are going to be just fine. And then Alberto is the trade bait. I, I totally agree with that. And I think that's where Sean Payton and George Payton are hopeful that he flashes in training camp and maybe the first or second or, or both preseason games where he shows that he can do it, which will then potentially in- increase the draft capital. I think at this point, you're going to be lucky to get a sixth round pick for Alberto because he has done nothing in his NFL career. He's literally done nothing. So he needs to show it. Not so much for the Broncos because if they don't find a trade value that's worth it. And I think they would take a seventh round pick. I think they would take a sixth round pick for Alberto. The only way for that to increase is for him to flash and show things consistently in training camp. And then in the preseason games, because if he doesn't, he's going to get cut. Hasta bye-bye Alberto. I mean, that's really, really what it does boil down to at this point. And so I'd rather him not get cut because I would like for them to get some draft capital back for him. That I mean, that really is best case scenario is that he doesn't get cut. He gets traded. They get a sixth or a fifth. I'm hoping for a fifth. Fifth would be nice, right? Fingers crossed. I, I guess he doesn't really garner it right now, but play a couple preseason games and look real good. Flash a couple times. Boom. All of a sudden, yeah, we'll give you a fifth rounder for him. We'll give you a fourth rounder. Why not? Sure. We can, we can make that work. Never know. That would be, that would be the goal, right? I like this position battle thing. Let's um let's continue it uh for the rest of uh for the for the rest of the summer as we go through. But let's let's maybe 
table it for now because the other thing that popped up recently that I want to get into is just how good the Denver Broncos secondary is and what that means for the rest of the defense. When you look at rankings of positions, position rankings, right? Uh, The one that stands out, obviously, to most fans is that Patrick Sertan is often considered to be in the top two or three as far as cornerbacks. I think he was just ranked uh, as the best cornerback in the NFL by, I can't remember who, uh, off the top of my head. ESPN, thank you. Which is surprising because I, I don't know how they didn't go with the guy who holds and grabs more than anybody in Sauce Gardner. He needs to change his name to Holding Gardner. Oh, maybe he and Garrett Bowles can be friends. They can be buddies. I see what you did there. Yeah, they can be friends. I don't I, mean, I don't want PS2 hanging out with Garrett Bowles. I, I will say that. But Justin Simmons is a top three safety in the NFL. You have yep. a, a lot of talent in the secondary that makes it a strength for the Denver Broncos. But what it also does is it means that the pass rush becomes even more important. One of the things that that you see in the NFL that I I think everybody recognizes and understands, but I'm still going to go ahead and put it out there, is that when you have a good pass rush, it makes the job of the cornerbacks and the all of the defensive backs that much easier because they don't have to cover for as long. Vice versa. When you have good coverage defensive backs and a defense that does a good job of locking down wide receivers and tight ends and backs out of the backfield and things like that, it gives the the pass rush a little bit of an extra you know half second or so to get to the quarterback to cause problems. What the Denver Broncos are hoping to accomplish, having such a good secondary, is giving that pass rush that extra half step, that half second more to get to the quarterback. And if they can do that, that makes this defense very dangerous. And so uh, the pass rush is important. And it's, it's going to be given some extra time by what the, the secondary can do. I also think that highlights the importance of a system that tries to play off of that for Van, by Vance Joseph. And I think it also highlights the additions that the Broncos made defensively. More recently, Frank Clark coming over from the Kansas City Chiefs and Zach Allen, who came from... Arizona with Vance Joseph to the Broncos. I think both of those guys are going to end up being key guys when it comes to, to, to pass rush, to getting after the quarterback, to creating havoc in the backfield, because that was an issue last year for the Broncos defense. Randy Gregory was hurt. Baron Browning is now hurt. I mean, the the defensive line is going to be an issue in terms of depth. Edge is going to be an issue, especially with depth. They need Randy Gregory to step up and be the guy that George Payton signed last year. Frank Clark probably isn't going to be at the level he was his his two years in Seattle prior to being traded to the Chiefs. If the Broncos make the playoffs, that's where Frank Clark shows up. He's one of the best pass rushers in NFL playoff history, but you have to get to the playoffs first. And then in terms of the secondary, it's not just Justin Simmons. It's not just Pat Sertan. The return of Caden Stearns, I think, is going to be massive because he, before he got hurt, flashed in the, the first part of the season and especially in training camp in the preseason last year. So 
it, it's going to be very interesting, the system that Vance Joseph creates for this defense and then the contributors that they get on the defensive line and then at edge. Because to me, that, that's the key for this defense is how do they stop the run, the havoc they create in the backfield, and can they consistently get after the quarterback? I, you're absolutely right. And you, you bring up the playoffs, and uh, Sean Payton is known for what he does with the offense. But I, I, the other thing that is really interesting is how good his defenses were when he was with the New Orleans Saints. He always had really good defenses. And I know that people will bring up the whole uh, bounty gate and, and those kinds of things. And, yes, there is some of that that, that isn't uh, necessarily um, – how do we want to say it's not something that you want to have to put on your resume, but it doesn't appear that anybody really cares about that. And the fact is those defenses were still good, whether they were, you know, doing mean things on the field for extra cash or not, doesn't matter. They were legitimately good defenses. And so a hallmark of the things that Sean Payton does is his ability to put together talent that is good enough to be a good NFL defense. Couple that with what he does on offense and you have a head coach that can put together a winning team. Now I want to bring something up and it's a, a little bit of a, uh, it's a, it's a twist uh, on what we're talking about here. And I, I want to bring it up because I saw it yesterday and was it yesterday? I saw it on, it was, a, it was on a Monday. I should say I I'm a, as you know, I am a, a Bronco fan living in a different world. I don't live in Broncos country. Uh, although Broncos country is worldwide. And so I think sometimes I have a different perspective on national media and I was watching the Rich Eisen show the other day, which I am wont to do in the summertime as a teacher. I get a chance to do that. And Chris Brockman, who is his, I guess, producer. I don't know. You know how all these radio shows have like their group of guys that they talk to, Lebetard and Dan Patrick and, and Rich Eisen, pretty much everybody. They got like all their little their little cronies that work for them. And then they're allowed to chime in and whatnot. They do this segment called Overreaction Monday. And one of his overreactions was that the Denver Broncos would win 10 games this season. I, I don't care about that so much. But my question is, looking at what we just talked about with the importance of the pass rush and how good the secondary is and the conversation about the, the position battles and the things that we've discussed over the course of the last few weeks, do you think 10 wins gets them a spot in the playoffs? Or, because of the whole 17-game season, do they miss out winning only 10 games if they can get to that number? To me, 10 wins gets you in the playoffs. Because I feel like if they won nine games last year, they would have made the playoffs. So I, I think 10 wins gets you into the playoff. You're going to be in contention for the AFC in, in, in the AFC West because typically teams win who win the division get between 11 and 13 wins. That's typically what wins the division. 10 wins, I think, guarantees them a playoff spot. But here's the tricky thing. The over-under at DraftKings Sportsbook for the Broncos is eight and a half wins. And we've talked about this. The team could absolutely hit the over. They could absolutely get nine or 10 wins, but they could absolutely flip it and get seven or six wins. So to me, the reason that that's viewed as an overreaction, and I don't know who's predicted the Broncos to get 10 wins to make that an overreaction because the sports books don't think it like think it's like that. They it was it's just it's just a segment they do on Mondays. They call it Overreaction Monday, and the overreaction statement was the Denver Broncos will win ten games, and then Rich Eisen decides if that's a, if that's an overreaction or not. 
Uh, and he said that uh, he actually said it was not an overreaction. He said he could see, you know, Sean Payton turn things around and, and giving them ten, yeah. a 10 win season. Well, OK, I think that I think that's absolutely right. But here's the thing. And it's the question that's been lingering over this team since Sean Payton was hired, since Nathaniel Hackett was fired. It is. Can Russell Wilson still play quarterback? What are they going to get out of Russell Wilson? That's the question lingering over this franchise, this team. Everything about the Broncos right now is what are they going to get out of Russell Wilson? How is Russell Wilson going to look? What kind of quarterback is he going to be? It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.